Are you okay? Yes, thank you very much. Are you? Yes, I think so. Everything is coming together. So I'm, I'm not having my microphone in front of my face like you do because I make too much noise when I'm speaking. You do make too much noise when you speak. No, I didn't mean what I say comes out of my mouth. <laughs> I meant I breathe too much when I speak. And I can't stop breathing. I've tried it and it doesn't work. So um, I nearly pass out. Just so you know, Eve, there's a lot of dog barking halfway through. I'm going to blame it on you, even though it's likely to be my neighbour, but because I need to appear professional... I'm going to say, can you stop your dog barking? Okay, and you just go along with it. Don't don't say, I don't have a dog here. Or, my dog's not barking. It must but be I yours. think that would be quite good to say that it's not me, it's your neighbour's dog, <laughs> and then ask the neighbours if they'd like to listen to the podcast. I might ha- get interrupted, so I don't know how you're going to edit it. Um, did you hear my glass? Did you hear my ice of in course my I glass? I, well, I think if we didn't hear kind of something to do with either your wire hitting the cup or your ice hitting the end of the cup, I mean, to be honest, it, it just shows what a wonderfully middle-class show this is, that you've got ice in your glass. Just <laughs> nice little gin and tonic on the side. Um, it's just water. Okay. okay. Um, are we ready? Yep. The Standing Orders Podcast. So this is the third edition of the Standing Orders podcast with me, Dr. Thomas Foreman, and my co-host, Councillor Sulorn. Good evening, Councillor. Good evening, Thomas. How are you this evening? I'm very well, and how are you? Fine, thank you very much. So we're recording this a little bit later than we expected because of the sad news about the Queen. And for various reasons, we didn't think it would be a particularly good idea to record during the National Morning. Um... But actually, this podcast is going to look at kind of what we did and our experiences of of National Morning and our experiences of what the council did during that period of time and and kind of why we did it. So to kick off, I think, you know, just to say, I think everyone was incredibly shocked when when they heard about uh, the Queen's deteriorating health and then her subsequent death. Um, Where were you? Where was I? I was literally in the car on the way to meet some friends for dinner. And I'd been, um, I'll go back to the afternoon. I'd literally very rarely watched television um, on um, daytime. And it, um, I'd got my granddaughter. So obviously CBBS was on. There are other channels, of course. But uh, CBBS was on. And um, I just turned it over to the news channel for she was asleep or something, turned it over to the news channel, and there they announced that uh, the Queen was under medical supervision in Balmoral. So straight away you, you start to panic and think, oh, my goodness, is this, it? is this it? The biggest shock for everybody was that two days previous we had seen her um, photographed with um, the Prime Minister, the new Prime Minister. Well, both and of them, you know, both yeah, of Yeah, she'd, she'd seen both of them, bless her. And um, and then so you you automatically think well she looked absolutely radiant so you think that you know she's she's going to be she's going to be fine and um, and then it was such a shock and again you know even whenever you hear the news for the first time you just assume that um, you know it's it's just preparing us for maybe a week's time 
but um, no, it was um, it was really really sad. So I went. I was going out for dinner, not expecting any announcements until at least uh, the following morning, and I took a phone call from someone whilst I was driving, and um, and got told the really sad news. And then all my plans changed for the rest of the evening. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can say, as you know, I was monitoring it on, on the BBC News website. And then uh, I was away at the time. And so once we actually kind of got the notification, I had to hastily book a flight back in order to be there for, uh, <laughs> for everything that we really had, had planned for, everything that we had run through with the numerous announcements around changes with Operation uh, London Bridge and although you feel that you've kind of prepared as much as you can for something I don't think until kind of it happens you can ever fully prepare for any of this and I was chatting to the district council about it as well and they were saying the same that actually you can have as many run-throughs as you want but actually when it hits you that this is happening everything then needs to go forward and of course there are various things around how the announcement is going to be made a bona fide announcement when it comes through like the press association that's properly announced by Buckingham Palace. And then in the end, I think most people found out by Twitter. And so we were getting messages about, you know, we need to put the, the screen up on the website and, you know, have that cover there. But until we received the, the notification officially, there wasn't anything we can do. And to be fair, I think most people were so shocked. I don't think anyone's first kind of thing was to be, Okay, I'm going to log on to the local council website to see whether you know yeah. they've, they've changed it and how quickly they've done it. But I think it was all a bit of a kind of shock. And I will say, you know, it's it was one of those things that because we had so much to do and because the adrenaline then kicks in and you're organizing about four or five different things um, at once, it's only then when those things are done and you sit back and you think, wow, like, mm. this is actually what what's happening and and it's just almost that disbelief that you you kind of live off the adrenaline for a bit and then suddenly you realize actually this is such historic sad news and then you, you just kind of get blown away from it and I didn't expect it to affect me at all um but actually you know I was surprised by by the tears I shed um over it because it she wasn't someone who was part of my everyday life but in so many ways she was someone that was part of my everyday life. And and there's so many people who are saying exactly the same. You know, it, it was a shock. To be fair, they're probably saying it, it more eloquently, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. But uh, but no, is and I think this is, you know, as, as with every plan anybody makes, you we'd always anticipated that we would have some notice. The plans, and it's, and again, it's, it's it, even down as far as towns and parishes, everybody has been aware of what the protocol was to be on the passing of the Queen. And, um, but um, you, you now need to put everything in place. But it wasn't, it was literally, she's poorly, and bless her, she's, she's now passed away. And, um, as I said, you know, the, the protocol has been there for many, many years um, on, on what it should be and, and how everybody should, what we should all do and how even to the way that we should, you know, as a town mayor, how you should wear your chain of office and um, the way that, as you said, you know, the notice had to go on to the, to the website. 
there was a way that that was to be presented as well. Absolutely. It had to be, um, you know, it had to follow the protocol as, as they'd requested it. And I think so. just how, like, how the announcement came and the timing of the announcement, and of course that then led to confusion as to when, you know, day zero kind of day of death was, because although it was announced on Thursday because of the time, it was then changed to Friday. So then that changes how you put the flags up and where the flags go. And and kind of that added confusion into it and the mixed messages that were coming from kind of the district council and, and different organizations were sending us emails with, with slightly different information as to what we can do. And so although everyone has planned for it, like I said, I just think it blew everyone away. And and mm. it's just that kind of, you know, that kind of seismic change that I think just throws everyone, no matter how experienced you are, as a local government officer, you will never have done this before. And therefore, it, it's only natural, really, that you're just going to have, you know, confusion at times and mm. things aren't going to be nearly as clear as you want. And there's equally, you know, there's a wide variety of difference between how different councils kind of dealt with, you know, the, the, the death and, and actually what they, what they did. I mean, like for us, we, we opened the condolence book um, and, you know, once I, once I flew in, I took over from kind of the regular council staff and, and stayed from nine till 7 PM, um, for a week following the, the day of death. Um, but a lot of council kind of, a lot of councillors came and, and sat in and some officers came and, and sat in and kind of did a, a bit of a vigil over the condolence book. And we have the collection of flowers outside, which of course you and I disagreed about. <laughs> where they should be placed <laughs> yes it was and again you know, it, and it's all those little things that you you you're really mindful of the fact that if you do it if, if it's not done appropriately or or you you don't like with the flowers you wanted to put it into the um the jubilee the garden the jubilee garden and i'm thinking it needed to be nearer to the condolence book and um and it's it's, again, it's, it's what you think that people are going to perceive. And as usual, you've got is, your way. Is the right thing. <laughs> no, it's not as usual. You see, now, I, I will say, my thought when it came to laying of the flowers was, Jubilee Garden, nice green open space. I get what you're saying about the condolence book. I just thought flowers near railings normally means car crash. And so it was just that element of, <laughs> are people going to be walking past and thinking, blimey, what's happened here? Does this have any association with the Queen? I don't know. But, but um, sometimes, sometimes people take into consideration the situation that we're in at the moment. But, um, but no, and, and this is the, the thing, it's, it's all the, the preparation that we've done, all, and we've discussed it at many, many meetings over the time. And um, so, okay, and then when, when you get, actually, feel free to bang down on the desk. It's just, <laughs> my, my pen fell out of my hand. Apologies. <laughs> and it, so it was a case of you, everything's you. You think you've got everything prepared down to the very last detail, and then on the day it was literally. And again, the the announcement came as everybody had gone home. The officers had all gone home, so um, so there wasn't anybody around to, to phone and say, "Oh, right, let's get down and change." As you know, Thorpe and Andrew had got um, three flags flying, and uh, and one we just raised the week before for the um, the Merchant Navy Day. Merchant Navy Day, 
<clears throat> I wasn't sure if it was Modric Navy Day. And um, you so, should have known so, when, whenever you have a councillor turn up in a naval in uniform, uniform. That, that, that's probably it's <laughs> probably a good teller as to why you were there to raise the flag, councillor. <laughs> yeah. So so we literally that that was still flying. We needed to get that one down. We've got flags that were flying still with Jubilee flags on, which had to be brought down yeah. instantly. And and again, that wasn't such an easy easy thing to do for where these flags were hanging. No, from. the angled ones off the building always had a little <laughs> bit of uh, a little bit of this... difficulty. And I mean, equally, I think the flags are one of the main things that you know the public see and the public notice. And so you know when you have you know three flags, um, like three proper flagpoles, and then two building mounted flagpoles. When you've got five in total, there are five locations that the public are going to see it. And we know that like when the ascension happened. Um, the flag goes back up to full mast again um, between the Saturday and the Sunday. And actually, we were getting so many emails and actually quite a lot of pretty kind of strong stuff from members of the public saying how disrespectful we were for having the, uh, the flag up at full mast again and asking us to rectify it. But as you know, and, and you know, it, it's one of those where you want everything to go absolutely right and you mm. want everything to be absolutely perfect for it. But of course, nothing ever really goes to plan. And so when we had the flag at half mast and we arranged to have the, the trumpeter or bugler, actually, I think it was a cornet, to be fair, um, play the, uh, play the last post. We, we of course recalled that for social media and then they always say don't work with children or animals. And I actually have a video clip of, uh, of the flag raising. I know I shouldn't laugh. Um, and I will say, for, for all the solemnness of the occasion, to have a dog run across the field, jump into a, a council officer, and then for the bugler to carry on playing straight afterwards, absolutely. And, it wasn't uh, just any dog. It was a huge, <laughs> huge dog. But how she stood up after that dog jumped on her, I just don't know. I did say Bless the only heart. thing that would have made that slightly better would have been a corgi. Um, but unfortunately, it was just a massive golden Labrador. And to be fair, I don't think I've ever seen a skinny golden Labrador. They're always like a barrel coming towards you. Um, and I did get permission to include it in this, so it's not like someone is suddenly going to find out. Um, well, I'm going to say implied permission to use it as opposed to actual permission. But, um, you know, and it, it's one of those where you then want to put a message out on social media and say, you know, this is what's happened. Can you keep your dogs under control? And of course, we don't, we can't because, you know, we, we stopped posting on social media and said that actually during the time of national mourning, we're not going to do that. And so it changed the way we communicated with people because we then got far more inquiries through email and telephone. Whereas we actually get an awful lot of kind of comments on Facebook and private messages on Facebook. So we still handled the private messages, but the, the comments kind of came to us via email instead of necessarily being kind of posted publicly, which actually in many ways was a lot nicer during that time of national mourning that people weren't complaining about stuff that, you know, is important but isn't probably as important to a lot of people during national mourning as uh, as they would like to have seen kind of come up on their on their Facebook. I know. And just going back to um to that flag raising in and how people you want me to play um, it again. This you know, this was a very solemn occasion. We we'd got the town mayor, the deputy mayor and the Bugler standing 
waiting to 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 raise the flag um to half mask and um this gentleman could see what was happening and he was he was standing watching us but and he could see that his dog was running wild he could see that it was being videoed but he did absolutely nothing to take the dog under control and poor the you know the lady that was doing the the video um She's petrified of dogs, <laughs> and bless her, she she's standing there with with the, the camera facing us, and this dog just appears out of nowhere, and literally almost knocks her over, and and that solemn occasion is then turned into thinking, what on earth is going on here? But that's probably she probably thought slightly different to that. <laughs> but um, yeah, but it, yeah, it's so. one of those things that when you were so worried about what the public are going to think about what you're doing and are going to be kind of judging you, you end up in turn then judging the public on just how at times exactly. just completely oblivious they are yeah. to to and it's always those things dogs that aren't on leads that have no recall. Although to be fair. You know, I don't think the guy tried to call the dog back at all. I think he was quite happy with the dog barreling around yeah. quite happily. Um, but, you know, and there were other things that we that we wanted to do. Um, so, you know, like we have, yeah. uh, there's a beautiful park down at River Green, which is uh, set by the river, and it's quite a historic park in the town. Um, and it has the War Memorial, and it has a number of trees. And so we were planning on lighting that up purple, um, which is obviously the colour that we did at June Jubilee. And we thought it would be a really nice occasion to kind of light the, the whole park up in, in purple. Um, but then I realised that when we did it for Jubilee, you got a phone call <laughs> or a Facebook message from an angry resident at nine o'clock at night to say that the, the settings had changed and had gone to disco. And so when you rang me and we met down there, it was like a rave happening on this historic park. And I thought, you know, the only thing I can imagine going wrong during a time of national mourning is we set the lights and the trees in the War Memorial to, uh, to disco. And so then you have trees, War Memorial, disco lights, and everyone thinking, blimey, this is a period of national mourning and you've turned the lights on disco for this. It wouldn't necessarily send the message we, we wanted. But then, of course, we did dress the War Memorial with a black sash. And uh, I got sent photographic evidence of, uh, I think it was two councillors and two council officers scaling the war memorial with, uh, with black ribbon. And it looked something more like an Extinction Rebellion uh, protest than it did a, <laughs> a period of national mourning. Well, you, you, you have to remember that as well as it looked like they were trying to scale the memorial, it was pouring down with rain. <laughs> It was so cold and so wet, but we felt that we had to get this black sash Absolutely. on the warm And the thing is, it's okay for me to say that. I was on a flight back to the UK at that point. So actually, you know, I was, I was sipping coffee at uh, 32,000 feet. Yeah, so it was, uh, again, it was all, you know, best laid plans. And, um, and, and we're standing in the pouring rain, because we felt we had to get that black sash on the memorial as a mark of respect to, to the, the late queen. So, um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a pretty crazy couple of days leading up to the, to the Saturday, whenever we, we then opened the doors for the book of condolence properly. And, uh, and as you said, you know, everything was planned day, day one, D one, D two, D three. And, um, 
as you said, you know, the flags were going up and the flags were coming down and the flags were going back up again. And uh, there was confusion with all the, the residents as to, to what was really happening. We did it. We, you know, we got there. I think as a town, we we did what, um, you know, what was expected of us. And I think that uh, we, we did um, we did show respect for Her Majesty and the sad the sadness of her passing. I mean, I think what the the thing that really struck me about it was, you know, the preparations that we make. So, like when we're handling the flags, um, we had our parks officers in white shirts, black ties, black armbands, or council officers in black armbands. You know, not using heavy machinery, changing the way we do things to allow people that peaceful time of reflection on the parks, and so really thinking about how the public are going to be kind of interacting with us over a period of national mourning. Um, where so many people were moved by it. And I think having the kind of the condolence book opened um, from, you know, pretty much all day up to 7 p.m. for for the first week, um, up to the weekend of the bank holiday, um, I think that gave a lot of people who were working or had kind of other things or, or perhaps traveling to come back to be able to come up, sign the condolence book. And actually it struck me by just what a cross-section of people turned up to sign it. I mean, there were councillors, and that's a cross-section in itself. And then you have the members of the public, and, and, you know, you had kids from the local nursery that's next door all coming across with their parents to lay flowers and wanting to write in the book. And it's just so nice to see that parents were bringing their children to be part of it, that they couldn't necessarily be down in London. So what they were doing was going to their local town hall, they were signing the book, and that was an experience and something that's going to be in the history of the town for eternity. You know, it's mm-hmm. going to be something that people will always look back on and think, you know, this is what the town did and this is how the town did it. And so to sit there with councillors, to be able to discuss with them their memories of, of the Queen, and I know that, you know, councillor, you're someone who um, <clears throat> you're someone who went to the... Yeah, I know, sorry, clearing my throat... Um, <laughs> I just wonder what you're going to say next. You went to the garden party, and and so oh, you've been down to Buckingham Palace, and so you have first-hand experience of what it's like to uh, to kind of be down there. And obviously, being in Norfolk, you've also been a uh, you've also been a visitor to Sandringham as well. Yes, I did that one Christmas morning. Went to Sandringham with my. It was on my daughter's bucket list, and um, it was it was the last year that the whole royal family were going to be together. I was about to say, so as, which ones did you see? All of them. All of, every, 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 every single of member them. of the royal family. Come on, I, I think we need to focus that bit. Give this, us some names. No, we had them all. We had Philip, we, we had the Queen, we had Philip, we had Princess Anne, we had Prince Charles, we had um, William and Kate, Harry, On at that time he was on his own, and... Um, yeah, we we had Andrew, all of them, all of them, and it was literally. I think we left here. We left Thorpe about half past six on Christmas morning. Drove over to Sandringham, and um, and we had a fantastic view. And uh, my partner has got the most amazing photo of Harry as he was walking in it was when he first um, adorned his beard and um, everybody was out for um, discussion as to whether it was it was right for him to be wearing the beard or whether he should be clean shaven 
And as he was walking past us... Well, I mean, the high-ranking um, debates that happened in Norfolk. Prince Harry's beard. <laughs> Merry Christmas. No, I think it was in the OK, actually. <laughs> so, as he was walking past us, my partner, Kevin, and a protocol is that you never call a member of the royal family to turn for a photo for you. But Kevin did it. So he called and he's just shouted at Harry. Harry looked directly at us and Kelly took the most amazing photo of him. And it was absolutely brilliant. So, um, yeah, so we watched them as uh, they walked into the church. We waited for them to come back out again. And uh, then we came home and had our Christmas dinner. But, uh, yeah, so, so that were, was... Were any other ones there? Did you see, you know, Beatrice, Eugenie? Yes. You know, the Duke yes. of Kent? Did you see the Duke of Kent? Yes. They, what, I'm not the, sure Duke the Duke of Kent? Was, I'm not sure the Duke of... Prince Edward was there. Um, well, if you didn't get the was... Duke of Kent, then not all the royals were there. And literally, <laughs> I had to Google I up some, 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 some important, but, but not necessarily inner circle royals, just to try and catch out <laughs> on the uh, all the royals. I, were there. I don't think the Duke of Kent would have been invited to Sandringham, no. actually. No, I don't think he's high ranking so, enough. There wasn't so. enough room. <laughs> there were so many others there. There wasn't enough beds. But no, so that was real. And, and at the time, I was thinking my daughter i'm thinking why are we doing this this is just absolutely crazy but it was really the right time to do it the garden party i think was the the following year or maybe two years later and um we um it was again as a i got an invite as a counselor to to attend the the garden party in may and it was just amazing. Everything about it was just as you would expect it to be. Can I just apologise um, while you're talking? My email's coming <laughs> in. So you, you will have a slight kind of bleep over. Sorry, get back in the mood for you, counsellor. Apologies. <laughs> well, I don't even know what I was saying now. <laughs> I was saying that back in um, about, I'm not sure, maybe it's six years ago now, that... Um, I got an invite to go to Buckingham Palace to the garden party through um, being a counsellor. And um, it was an experience, again, I'll never forget. The Queen was there. Um, Prince Charles and Camilla were there. And um, the King and now the Queen consort was there. And um, it was, again, it was such a lovely day. But unfortunately, it rained. Oh. So that was a. We well, can't have everything. Uh, no, it was it was good, and and yes, I, I was just a few steps away from Her Majesty, and it was it was really lovely. It was such a special memory, and it was a, it was a wonderful and occasion. You know, it, so. It's amazing that you you listen to the tributes in in Parliament, and I mean, you know, I think there's a tendency to always make these things about yourself, which you know, at the end of the day, obviously. It isn't. But in many ways, because it's so personal, it is. And I mean, you know, it, it's strange. One of the first things I thought about when I heard the news was, we need to get all of this stuff done. And then it was, you know, actually, you know, through one of my other roles, I swore an oath to the Queen. And actually, the fact that when you swear that oath to someone, it is actually far more meaningful, I think, than you realise. And... and when something happens to that person, it completely, you know, completely changes your perspective. You know, it's that, you know, not to start using kind of academic terms, but it's that kind of banal nationalism that you actually get of that everyday kind of icons that you see. You see that 
I'm, when you go into court buildings, you see it when you, you know, get a tenner out of your wallet. You see it when you put a stamp on a, on an envelope. And actually, she's such an important part of, of everyone's life that there isn't anyone that won't be in some way touched by this. And I think the amount of people who perhaps don't believe in the monarchy who have all said, actually, I may not like the monarchy, but actually the queen is, mm-hmm. you know, a hugely respected person. And actually so many people have been affected by the fact that she has died. And they're people that normally you wouldn't expect to, to even care. It has just been a huge kind of outpouring of grief from people at a mm. time which apparently isn't entirely unprecedented. And I think sometime, I think in the the 1800s, um, the, the kind of the 19th century, there was a time where you had a prime minister and a monarch change in roughly the same time period. But he went from, you know, on a Monday having a Queen and, and Boris Johnson as Prime Minister, and, and then the next time you, you then have, you know, within five days you have Liz Truss and you have uh, King Charles III. But I will say the one thing that I have realised is at the end of the last podcast you said the next one is going to be a lot more cheerful. And then I know. And, and so it's like... <laughs> The next one's going to be a lot more cheerful. Well, that's a period of national yeah. mourning. So we're not going. Yeah, we're not going <laughs> to be that, say that serious again. again. <laughs> you know, she, she had a a wonderful life. We had her for such a long period of time. So we we have to just appreciate and um, look back on how fantastic that reign was. Now we've got King Charles the Third. I personally think he will be a brilliant king. I think that his mother will have taught him well. I think that he will uh, follow in her footsteps for everything that um, that the queen held dear, and uh, and I think that um, Charles will will be everything that we could expect a king to be. <clears throat> so um, he he definitely gets my vote. <clears throat> the monarchy don't need your vote. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. But I'm sure he'll be glad but, that he has it. He could never be mayor if he hasn't got opinions to put forward, could he? <laughs> no, you need to have opinions if you're going to be the mayor. But um, but no, it's, um, it's 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 a really sad time. But it's also a time that um, you know we we have to move forward. We have to look forward. Heavens, and I always remember, as you were saying earlier, you know, whenever whenever we realised that how heartbroken we were that the Queen passing, it was as though she was part of our family. And I always remember thinking whenever I lost my mum that um, she wouldn't want us to be sad. She wouldn't want us to be miserable no. and, and depressed about the situation. She would want us to live our lives as she did. You pick yourself up, you dust yourself off and you get going. And, I mean, um, to be fair, if anything happens to me, I do want lots of mourning. I want almost <laughs> professional mourners we'll to be pick you in up. for this. <laughs> we'll pick you up, we'll dust you off, and we'll put you back in that seat again. <laughs> <laughs> Until we say that you can go, <laughs> you're staying, no matter what the situation. <laughs> yeah, no, there'll be lots of mourning then. Well, I, I like I like that you're so confident that you'll be there to see it, Councillor. That fills me with that fills me with with confidence about my health and well-being. This podcast wasn't originally going to be about the Queen and uh, and the period of mourning because obviously we were hoping that wasn't going to be uh, the case for some time yet. You know, the next conversation is going to have an element of of morbidity, morbidity, 
morbidity, yeah, to it. Morbidity. Um, yeah, morbidity. Should we say morbidity? No, um, morbidity. As, as we look at um, the cost of living crisis, which I think is what we're going to kind of cover next. And so the next one, I'm not entirely sure whether it's going to be a particularly uplifting topic either, talking about cost of living, but I'm sure you'll find a way to, uh, to make it more interesting, Councillor. Well, hopefully, by the time we, we come to broadcast that, maybe there will be some good news in the, in the pipelines that aren't um, bringing us when very much gas or electricity. The, the, <laughs> the gas and oil pipelines. <laughs> yeah, hopefully um, everything will be resolved and, um, and businesses will be able to carry on without worrying about the situation and... And residents will be able to to know that uh, they're not going to have such a hard winter as what had been anticipated. No, I have nothing to add to um, to what we've been saying. That other than that, um, passing of the Queen was one of the saddest days that we will um, we will know in our lifetime. The nineteenth of September was a really sad day for all of us. So um, I hope that she rests in peace. And um, long live the king. Thank you for listening to the Standing Orders podcast by Politis. Please like and subscribe to get your weekly edition. You can suggest topics by emailing podcast at politisconsulting.co.uk. See you next week. No, it was good. It's, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where you want to make it lighthearted, but actually you can't necessarily make it lighthearted when you're talking about a period of national mourning because you don't want to be disrespectful. And, and actually, you know, the impact this had has been enormous. And, and you don't want to make light of the, the influence and, and everything else that, that she had over all our lives. And so I think, yeah, it's just about kind of getting that balance right. And I think, you know, you were wonderful. I was perhaps a little bit uh, less wonderful. Oh, shut up, Thomas.